We want to welcome everyone to Pregame Skate. Our guest tonight is Dave Janowick, the founder of the Recess Factory and the Paps Colorado Pond Hockey Tournament, which will take place February 14th to the 16th, uh, 2020 in Silverthorne, Colorado. Dave grew up in Brainerd Lakes, Minnesota, and developed a passion for outdoor hockey while living on a lake where his dad would clear off a big area with his tractor for him to skate on. Uh, We'll let Dave get into his professional background, but he now owns his own events company called The Recess Factory with clients like Sports Engine and NBC Sports. And as far as the the outdoor hockey tournament goes, uh, it's now in its 11th year, and it sells out every year with 225 teams. We're looking forward to hearing more about how this idea came to fruition, what goes into making outdoor ice, and what attendees of the tournament can expect from this year's tournament. Thanks a lot for joining us, Dave. Do you want to give us a quick synopsis on on your background in hockey? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, in in a nutshell, first, thanks for having me, guys. Great program, and uh, we're excited to see it grow and and help spread the word about it. Um, We are, uh, um, I guess my, my background in hockey started, like, like you said, you know, growing up on a, on a lake in Northern Minnesota and being able to skate every day. And, um, just, that's really where the love of it came from. Um, and then, uh, you know, going through, you know, playing high school in Minnesota and, um, um, that, that just fed to it because it's such a, you know, for those of you guys and girls out there who, who haven't seen what Minnesota high school hockey is, it's a different world for sure. Um, it's like Texas football. Um, just a, just a cool atmosphere. Every game doesn't matter how big or small the school is. It's a pretty unique thing. So that really fed to it. And, um, growing up at, uh, you know, with a couple big hockey camps nearby that I spent a lot of summers at with, uh, Steve Jensen up in Heartland hockey camps and, uh, um, the Grillos at Minnesota hockey camps, um, so, you know, that was, that was kind of through high school. My intention was, you know, I really wanted to, uh, I had an offer to play baseball at Bemidji State University, but in, in the back of my mind, I'm like, God, I really, really want to, want to try to play hockey. Um, didn't know how probable that was. And, you know, in the late nineties, um, not everybody was, was going to spend time in, in junior hockey or, um, and, and moving on from there. So, um, Gave it a shot, didn't really work out, and um, you know, spinning spinning through that year at Bemidji State, um, it's kind of finding myself and um, and kind of put put that to a kibosh and um, and moved on. Um, actually, moved out to Colorado at that time and uh, uh, worked on um, building ski chairlifts and wasn't planning on really going back to Minnesota um, until I figured out yeah, better better finish a degree and get a degree in something. So um, at that time I went to uh, transfer to Minnesota Duluth, um, which uh, was, it was a, you know, really helped kind of shape who I became and what I wanted to do in life. Although after that, I still didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, but uh, that was, you know, my, my youth hockey and um, was kind of uh, burned out on hockey after, after, 
after that period and started doing a lot of uh, um, bike racing, mountain bike racing and um, and stuff like that and really didn't pick up skates for probably six, seven, eight years um, until uh, until I got sick of mountain biking and racing. And then I uh, went back to hockey and it's forgot how much I really loved it. And really what I missed a lot, I think, was the family, you know, just the the guys that you that you hang out with and meet in the locker room and very like-minded genuine um humble for the most part and and giving so getting back into that world of hockey i've been stuck there since and um you know not 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 being able to have the dream of playing hockey to stay in that world um the cool thing is i'm still in the world of hockey deeper than I think I ever would have been if I ended up, you know, still um, playing the game. And that, I guess that ended, that kind of happened while uh, um, after college, when I moved back to Colorado and I was, I was working with uh, or living with a friend of mine who had an event company. And um, we always brainstormed about events and stuff. And at the time I was working for the university of Colorado uh, doing you know, running their outdoor program and ice rink and aquatics. But, you know, I'd sit down with Jeff and we'd, we'd brainstorm on, on different stuff. I mean, we should do this. We should do that. You know, why is nobody doing this? Why is nobody doing that? You know, we could have been talking about a running event or um, that was kind of in the boom days when, when events like the color run were just starting out and stuff like that. So, you know, naturally I'm looking back home and I'm visiting back home in Minnesota and I, see this this big thing this monster of a pond hockey tournament that was kind of um you know there's always been pond hockey right but nobody really had put that into a marketable event until you know the granddaddy of them all the u.s pond hockey championships in lake nokomis um was started and like i'm like 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 i'm referenced this is back in you know 2008 um, and at that time, the U.S. Panaki Championship had been going on for like three years, and it was growing and growing. And my cousin, um, my cousin Gordy, who he played at Quinnipiac and then St. Thomas, um, was playing in this tournament. He'd tell me about it, and I'd look at pictures and stuff. Like that is that is amazing, you know. They got 25 rinks set up, and teams from all over the country are coming out. Um, and I thought, why why is nobody doing this anywhere else? And that was before Eagle River, Wisconsin. Um, pond hockey tournament that's that's put on through USA Hockey. That was before um, some of the guys on the East Coast were doing tournaments. Um, so there's really only that one tournament in Minneapolis, and I'm thinking we got to do something like this in Colorado because who wouldn't want to travel to you know ski country USA in uh, Silverthorne, Colorado, and have some of these ski areas you know five miles away and and play hockey with the mountains in the background and the stars out at night and um, I'm like, it's got, this has got to work. It's got to work. So, um, that's when we drummed up the, uh, the, uh, the Paps Colorado pond hockey tournament. And we got, you know, Paps blue ribbon was on board right off the bat from some previous, um, relationships that I had with them, um, in the, uh, mountain bike world. And, um, so we, we developed it that first year and, and had, uh, and we built two rinks and maxed it out with 30 teams in, in, you know, pretty quickly. Um, and, you know, fast forward from there, um, we've just really worked to, to be as, uh, 
you know, make it the most unique, um, intimate experience playing hockey outside on a pond in the mountains that we could make. And, and that's really been our goal is to just, let's just make this thing, um, you know, the, the best mountain skating outdoor experience that you could have. Um, and that's really been what's driven it from that first year. And, it, and, and uh, you know, obviously the standards in business, you know, offering, you know, perfect five-star customer service and accommodating all of our teams and players and talking to them on the phone, not just, not just having them email us. You know, we call them, we say thanks to them. Um, um, we got a great partnership with the Colorado Avalanche. Um, so we're able to, to offer great, great tickets for a lot of these teams to say thanks to them and, um, and whatnot. So kind of, kind of long winded, but um, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's the, the story of the Pabst Colorado Pond Hockey Tournament in a nutshell and where it's been. And we just, just celebrated our 10th year last year. And um, now, you know, for the last four years, we've been uh, um, selling it out at, 225 teams so um it's that's you know, just a crazy number um that to think about um and and super impressive and uh i guess very fitting that what brought you back to the game was outdoor pond hockey right because that's yeah. kind of the original memory for for a lot of people especially you know from minnesota canada um even massachusetts yeah, that's exactly right, man. It was it, it was what brought me back into to the love of the game again. Um, you know, I, w- I wouldn't say I was 100% burnt out on it after after high school and college, but it was uh, I, I just wasn't it it wasn't sparking me, you know. Um, but but it was yeah. definitely out, outdoor pond hockey and 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 uh, just goofing around with the puck and with buddies and stuff that 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 brought me right back to the game and. Um, you know, I'm I'm super um, grateful for uh, for the game of hockey in more than one. You know, in more than that, just because of all the connections that it's created, and um, God, the people that I've met over those over these 11 years of doing this tournament are second to none. You know, well, you know, Brooks, you're one of them that I've met through the world of pond hockey, and um, you know, absolutely. No, absolutely. Com- compound that, and there's just so many people, you know. Totally. And and I was going to hop in too, Dave, just quickly. It's phenomenal yeah. that this is a, a decade um, in the making, and I think just even kind of like the entrepreneurial vibe is something that I find um, extremely admirable. And so, you know, so many congratulations coming your way for that. I was wondering <laughs> if you could, could kind of take us back to that first year, I guess 10 years ago, where you had 30 teams and maybe maybe a little bit of butterflies in your stomach getting everything ramped up. Were you guys, were you guys just trying to like kind of break even and seeing if it worked or were you aiming for a profit? I, you know, how did that first year yeah. uh, look like? What, what was going on through your head? Yeah, great question. That's, uh, that's actually a huge piece to, uh, to the whole story. Um, yeah, our, our goal was let's let's make something that people love and let's break even on it. And we didn't know what the heck we were doing. We did, but we didn't. You know, like we we knew um, enough to to get it going and and create outdoor ice that was 
um, skatable and, and we built, you know, we designed our own board system to, to stick into the ice. And, um, but it was, you know, I can recall that first tournament where, where uh, Jeff Selfick, my old business partner, and I were out there and we had built a, uh, this is part where we didn't know what the heck we were doing. We, we built a homemade Zamboni out of, you know, pallet wood and a huge 55 gallon on the water. And it was, it must've been like five degrees out. Well, here we are after the first day of skating, we're out there trying to pull this thing around with, with, uh, with a truck and the thing froze up and never, never put a drop of water on the ice. So we oh. <laughs> set, set that thing yeah. on the side. It became a nice, uh, high top table for people to set their beers on. Um, well, I was going to get, but, uh, like, later, uh, later down the road, I was going to ask you uh, about how you came across the actual Zambonis. I mean, it might be a good point to uh, kind of go there now. But, yeah, I mean, that first year, I remember my dad used to make outdoor ice, and we tried, you know, every way possible. And it's, it's a <laughs> so I can only imagine with, with a full-size rink, like, how, how, big of a, how big of a hassle and just kind of um, – uh, you know how important that is too to for fresh ice the next morning, all that stuff. So I guess you live and you learn for sure. It is, and that's the most difficult part about outdoor ice and pond hockey is is first of all clearing the snow and and seeing what you got underneath that you have to deal with because we've seen everything. I mean, we've seen a, a, you know you clear the snow off and your skid loader is going through the first six inches of ice and you think you're going to go to the bottom of the pond and. Um, but yet there's uh, nine inches of nice hard clear ice under that that you didn't know was there, um, or you knew it was there, but it just it scares the heck out of you. Um, so it's pre- you know prepping the ice, um, you just don't know what you're going to get. You got to be ready for everything, and and we didn't know how to be ready for everything 11 years ago. I mean, now we do, but back then it was it was <clears throat> trial and error, and we had to make the right decisions in order for that to to work out. So um, you know, it's the science. Um, technically, it's the science. You know, we're dealing with uh, with ice and water and temperature and wind and all the different elements there. Um, and time. Um, you only got so much time to get these, you know, this ice ready before the the teams come back and skate on it. Um, but you know, as a lot of you guys know, you know, you throw water on a pond, um, and that'll freeze up. You know, if it's cold enough, it'll freeze up. You can't put too much on. You can't put too little on. Um, but that water does a couple of things. It brings brings a lot of the oxygen up from within the ice, and then you have a really bumpy surface once it once it hardens. Um, and then you know you throw you throw a whole bunch of teams on it, full grown men and women skating as hard as they can, and that just turns the surface into into crap, not not skatable. So after that first year the first thing in my head was we need to get Zamboni or an Olympia, an ice resurfacer, and we don't even need to put water down. We just need to cut off all the, all the crud on top routinely to keep it to this solid state that it is, you know? Um, so that's where, that's where the first uh, ice machine is. Um, and we, you know, we look for one and I found one up in, uh, up in this small municipality south of Ottawa, on the Vermont border in a little town called Bainesville. Um, and, uh, picked that up and, um, went through hell and back trying to get it across the border and, um, through customs and finally got it to Colorado and 
um, this is funny because this is this is a funny story because this is before we had an office space, and I had this this Olympia ice resurfacer full size. I had to drive it from where we unloaded it at, like five miles down the road, and this thing looked like a just a POS. You know, huh. it ran great, but it looked pretty bad. Drove it down the street, parked it in my garage. You know, kicked my wife's car out of there for a month. Got out the grinder saws all and started hacking this thing up and took off the un- unnecessary weight, re- recon- reconditioned the entire machine in my garage, you know, in suburbia, north of Denver, Erie. And uh, just the people that would stop driving by and, oh my God, you know, asking, it, it's pretty funny. Yeah. You know, spray. How did you get that thing across the country? Did you put it on a truck or? We had to hire a, a tractor trailer, you know, a, a shipping company out of Canada that that uh, loaded it up, and they did. They were driving some other stuff to California, and we got it onto the back of a semi truck. And I, I forget I forget how difficult it actually was to uh, to organize those logistics, but it was a pain in the butt. I wish I knew now what I did then, because there's other guys in the states here. Um, a friend of ours, Chris Michaels, in uh, South Minneapolis, is the uh, kind of the king of Olympias in the United States here. Olympia is a Canadian brand. The Zamboni's uh, uh, American brand, um, but the Olympia's is, is what we have now. And uh, long story short, we got the thing here. I got a I got a phone call as they were crossing the border from the trucker. Hey, um, they won't let me take the propane tanks across the border. And I'm like, what what propane tanks? What are you talking about? Um, they were you know the guys that sold it to me were trying to send us. As, as nicely Canadian as they could, they were trying to give us these propane tanks. But little did I know, you you couldn't have these propane tanks cross the uh, cross the border for whatever reason or hazardous materials. So um, he left those at the customs booth and <laughs> continued trucking along and finally made it here and renovated the thing. And we still have that machine here today. It's, it's it runs really well and it's all reconditioned and looks great. That's perfect. And I guess well, maybe that's to, an amazing to story. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's incredible. I, I honestly had no idea about any of that, and I can't say I've ever tried to get a Zamboni across the Canadian border and, and through the U.S., so that's that's definitely a unique story that you can always tell as, as an icebreaker. Um, no pun intended there, too. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. To, to wrap up uh, kind of just about the venue and, like, some of the earlier years, I, I, Mills, I would only know this because I grew up in Colorado, but were you guys always set on – on where you are now, or did you take a look at, like I know Evergreen has um, an outdoor space as well. Did you shift around, or have you always always been in Silverthorne? No, good question. We started the first year that we did it, um, you know, backtracking to when I when I first moved to Colorado. I had, I had several jobs when I first moved to Colorado. One of them was um, as the town of Frisco recreation coordinator. So I had connections with the town of Frisco rec department, um, they had a, a small pond that could fit two to three rinks on it, um, right in Frisco, Colorado. Um, so I reached out to them and, and that was, that was, that was a go. It was our first year we did it right there in Frisco. And, um, as we quickly noticed, it was, it, we couldn't do more than two rinks. So right after that tournament, I mean, the, the day after we wrapped up that tournament, the first year, um, I drove over to Silverthorne, um, which is the neighboring town because I knew that there was a large pond there called North Pond Park. Um, so, you know, went the route and contacted the town of Silverthorne and um, talked to them about, about moving the tournament to North Pond Park. 
um, they were all for it, and they're they're an amazing partner. Um, the town of Silverthorne has been awesome. Um, up to this day, we still work with those guys really closely, and it's uh, it's the biggest event in that town to date. It brings in people from all over the place, all over the all over the country, and all over the world. So we're really happy in Silverthorne. But to answer your question, I, I wanted this to be at a destination where people know they want to go there. There's other things there that help market it, like Breckenridge, Keystone, A Base, and Copper Mountain. You know, those are notable names that somebody in Florida knows, right? They don't know what Evergreen is. They don't know what Avon is. They don't know what some of these other towns are, but they know what Ski Country USA is. They know what they know. They know all those resorts and towns that I just named off. So that was the big piece to the original marketability of it was let's let's do something that people want to go to more so than a very difficult to get to town. This is a, a centrally located place in some county Colorado that's an hour and a half from from the Denver airport um, and there's plenty of lodging there and, and a lot to do that's not just hockey too so you get you get people coming in and they'll they'll play hockey for the weekend with us and then they'll spend the following week skiing um, yeah, no, or vice versa. so that's really been the main thing evergreen's great you know some of these other places are but we wanted to make sure that we stayed in uh in a resort destination, you know. Nice. I, I think that's a great call, and, and it just triggered one more question. I mean, what is the breakdown geographically of, of the tournament? Um, I mean, how many teams are just from kind of right around Colorado and um, about different other states and probably different countries, obviously, with Canada, too? Yeah, yeah. So now our demographic is uh, it's about 50% of the teams are from Colorado, um, you know, they might have one or two people that come in, come into, uh, come into, come into the state from out of town to, to join their team. But that, that means the captains of the teams that are signing up are Colorado residents. Um, the other 50% are from, um, all over, all over the U S we've had teams from, we've had a team from Mexico come, uh, a bunch of teams from Canada. Um, a lot of, a lot of the hot, hot states that we get teams from are actually the Carolinas, Florida and Texas and California. Those are, those are where we get a lot of our remaining 50% from. We don't, we don't have a lot of teams coming from Michigan, Midwest, Minnesota, Wisconsin that we, we do, but not, not even close to as many as we have from, from those other states that are named off, which is, it's pretty cool. And the, the great thing is those guys go back and, and, and the women's teams will go back and, and they'll talk about it in their in their adult league in Texas or Carolina, and and it just spreads like wildfire. You know, it's an easy easy to get to centrally located place, in the United States, Denver. Right, most flights to Denver are pretty uh, reasonable, and then once you get here, it's a it's an easy shot to the uh, to the venue in Silverthorne. So, um, but yeah, that's our demographic. The age age range is, uh, um, you know, it's like seventy percent men, thirty percent women. Um, and uh, the the age is going to be somewhere between 25 and 35 is the demographic for ages. And so then, what's the uh, what's the schedule look like for the weekend? Like, how many games are teams playing? When when are they playing? Where where are they kind of getting dressed and whatnot? How does all that work? Yeah. So we um, on on site we have uh, two two large tents um, that are heated and. Um, the, the teams are able to change in, 
in that in that tent. It's kind of the uh, the players' lounge um, where we have it all carpeted and tables and chairs set up in there. Um, teams will each team will play uh, guaranteed four games, um, and they're thirty minute games with fifteen minute halves. And uh, they'll play four games total. Um, typically, they'll play like two on Friday, two on Saturday, and then uh, the uh, tournament play for play playoff brackets are on Sunday. Um, that's generally how it, how it breaks down. We we shift some of the schedules around depending on weather and depending on on how yeah mainly depending on how the weather pans out for us each each year. But we do have it's just funny we do have another division called the Broken Bottle Division that we created a couple of years ago. Um, and this is it's actually my favorite um, my favorite division because you got all these teams sign up knowing they don't have playoffs or championships or tournaments because that's the only division that doesn't have playoffs they're literally just coming there to to play hockey against other teams and they're and they're having beers and um you know sitting out in the sun um the score the score matters per game they you know they really don't care about about the outcome of it um those are the teams that are the most fun most of the time they're they're, you know i couldn't imagine going into it going into a quote-unquote tournament knowing there's no tournament, you know. <laughs> and it's the one – that's a division that sells out right away. It's pretty – it's just the uh, – that's the core, you know. That's the root of the whole uh, ideology behind pond hockey. Let's just go play, you know. Yeah, and and one one more thing I had, speaking of weather, have out of the 10 years, have there ever been any years where it's just absolutely dumped snow and just been craziness? Oh, yeah. Um, I'll, I'll recall one year, I think it was the second year that we moved to Silverthorne from Frisco. Um, this is when we were starting to understand what it took, but we, we, we weren't using heavy equipment like skid loaders yet. We, we had, you know, a plow truck out there and, uh, some walk behind snow blowers and walk behind brushes. And we had, I think that year we had like 12 rinks. Um, you know, now we have 20 rinks, but I, it was a uh, Friday night after games were done, it just started dumping. And you don't, you don't want it to just start dumping at midnight because then, you know, when, when teams show up the next morning to play at 8 a.m., they're going to have a foot of snow in each of the rinks. And, you know, nobody wants to show up and start working, right? Um, yeah. But we – so we're standing there going, holy crap, the snow is not stopping. It was just – it was the heaviest snow that, that I think we've ever had. Um, but it came fast. You know, we got, we got probably a, over a foot of snow within, you know, w- between midnight and like 5 a.m. So um, we were understaffed back in the day. We, we, didn't, we didn't, you know, have our bearings, and we didn't realize everything that was really needed for it if that happened. So here, here Jeff and I are out there um, just running around, you know, no sleep, obviously, um, doing everything we can to get the snow out of these 12 rinks. And for some weird reason, this is the craziest thing. It must have been like 1 a.m. and it was, you know, in the teens, temperature, dumping snow. Here comes like 12 high school kids from the local high school, pitch black outside. There's a kid in a T-shirt. That's all I remember. There's one dude in a T-shirt. And they come walking across the pond. And Jeff looks up at him and goes, you guys want to make some money? And they were all like, yeah, yeah, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. So basically, you know, we handed them some shovels and 
I don't know if these were actually like, you know, I look back and I'm like, were those actually real people or was it like a, something that God had sent down and like through these, you know, high school snow angels out on the ice and start, start digging snow for us and then they just disappear. That's what it yeah. felt like probably because we had no sleep and we're, we're thinking we're pretty much screwed here. Um, but they, these kids stayed for like three hours. We shoveled all the rinks out and stopped snowing and we're ready to go at like 8 a.m. I remember doing the national anthem that morning and Jeff was orchestrating the national anthem and I, I had passed out in the driver's seat of the truck and I woke up after the first game was done or something. That's my recollection of that. But yeah, that was, we've had some crazy weather. That was, that was one of the funniest, most interesting stories that we had. Um, Why, there's always one kid who just wears shirt and shirt yeah. and you know, flip-flop with socks or something in like the dead of winter. I don't understand. Yeah. It's like we all had that buddy who wore shorts in January, you know, in a in northern state. Like, I don't know what you're thinking, but I have no idea what your parents are thinking. Exactly. Maybe it's time to think about was that kid really real? Like, like my ideology. I don't. Maybe these weren't actually. Uh, you may have been hallucinating. Maybe, yeah, maybe it was hallucinations. <laughs> well, yeah, and then Mills, tell me, uh, you know, if you have anything else on your list. One of the things, Dave, uh, that was kind of the last point that I wanted to just make so that everyone could hear this is you guys make a significant donation um, every year uh, to the Girl Scouts, uh, Boy and Girl Scouts of America, and I think that's um, yeah. Awesome. Didn't know if you want to just touch on that a quick second, but pretty cool, you guys. Yeah. Have no point point where you can do that as well yeah that's one of the that's one of my favorite things about this tournament so um you know they 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 wrangled together um a crew of of uh um boy and girl scouts there's some parents um scout leaders that come out um and they work for us as uh as scorekeepers they're volunteering for us as as our scorekeepers at each rink so They'll record the scores for each team and then they'll report back to, uh, to our head scorekeeper who inputs them into our uh, sport engine um, tourney app so it's all live and everything. But um, to develop that relationship with an with a, a organization like the Boy and Girl Scouts of America, you know, to me, um, means a lot just because of what, what, what those scouts are able to do with that, you know, $10,000 a year that we donate to them. It just blows me away you know like a lot of those a lot of those scouts in the summertime who can't afford to do the summer camps or the trip to washington dc or um whatever it may be there's, there's a lot of different things that they use that money for but it enables all those kids to do that with zero stress on their parents you know it's hey guess what now you know because of because of hockey um we don't we don't have that expense anymore and and it's routinely they you know they're they're always eager to come out. They're they're on time. They're, um, you know, they're 100% trustable. That's the great thing is when when you go down there and there's any arguments or discrepancies in scores or anything, I I just gotta ask my scorekeepers because these kids and these parents are, um, yeah, I trust them with everything. So, um, just to have a good honorable organization like that represent our tournament has been a blessing for us. You know, it's tough to get people outside for, you know. 18 hours a day in sub-zero temperatures sometimes. Um, it's hard to get people out to do that stuff, but these guys love it, you know, and we'll continue to work with them each year. And, and Dave, I'm sorry if I missed this. Were you were you a Boy Scout when you were growing up? No, actually, I never was. Um, okay. I don't know why, but I wasn't. Were you either you guys at all? Mm, no, I wasn't. We have a... Uh, maybe when I was really young. Oh, that's true, Mel. I'm, 
Yeah, I, I vaguely remember it, but not not within uh, within recent memory for sure. Well, regardless, that's that's pretty awesome. So, um, just a nice kind of way to a nice feather in your cap for the tourney, and you know, testament to how far it's come over the past decade. You guys can do that. That's that's pretty legit. Yeah, thanks, man. Maybe maybe I can get an honorable like uh, scout patch or something from. I'll ask him. Maybe I can become yeah. a scout now. Exactly. Well, so Mills, I you know I don't have too much more here. I, I did. How are you doing on your end? Any any last? Questions? Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that that was pretty much covered most of the questions. Honestly, I think Dave, you covered like half of my questions in your first uh, yeah. first little bit, which was really though an awesome kind of uh, full circle rundown for for everyone. So I think that was perfect. And and Dave, one more thing, and then we'll let you kind of like do any final just announcements that you may want to go out or where people can you know, find links to the tournament and information. But you gave us a little bit of a a background on yourself, and one of the questions that stood out, and I have to ask you about it, your your most famous friend that's a phone call away who will actually answer... Oh, man. ...is Dan Bilzerian, and I have to know the backstory with that because... Yeah, 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 who will actually answer... I don't know if I know any other guys who are are more famous... Probably not more famous, I guess... Um, that would actually answer the phone if I call him. But yeah, so Dan's a, um, he's a friend of mine through high school. We, I played baseball with him growing up as a kid in Northern Minnesota. He spent his summers up in, uh, up in Cross Lake. Um, so, um, you know, I spent hours upon hours in the summertime with, with Dan. He's a, he's a wonderful guy. Like, you know, people look at his Instagram and I've, I've, you know, some of my employees in their low twenties and stuff, they're, you know, they, they just, they they idolize you know his Instagram and what he's doing and um, what I what I always tell those guys is he's he's a good dude you know like um, I've known him <clears throat> since we were probably fourteen his family's super giving you know I, I still have a baseball bat that his dad gave me an Easton Secor I use it as a as a protection weapon in my house now but um, uh, but nonetheless yeah so he he spent his summers and and some of high school up in uh, up in Cross Lake, Minnesota. Still goes back. His, his mom um, and dad still have a place up there, um, if I'm correct. He's, he's got a uh, he's got family in that area too. So I've known him for a long time, and um, just talked to him the other day actually. But um, keep trying to get him to come out to the tournament. See if I can rope him into it. His 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 issue is he doesn't really plan out more than like a week. So. He well, doesn't. Uh, my next question is, if the, yeah. you know, what, when, what year do you, do you get him to come out to the tournament and maybe throw some skates on? Because you know, then if I did, I would never tell anybody. I would just say, Dan will show up, man, and and uh, and hang with us for a bit. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to make it a big deal. You know, it would just be one of those kind of shock things. Cause so many people know who he is. It's like, what the hell is that guy doing here? You know. But like I said, he's a really good dude and uh, um, super giving. I, I don't know what. I've known him for so long. I don't. I don't have other viewpoints on on who on who he is from Instagram. I just know him as Dan, you know, from from childhood. So, um, but but yeah, nonetheless, he's a great dude. And um, I, I when I talked to him last week, I said, "Hey man, you got to come out to the tournament sometime." He goes, "When is it?" And I'm like, "February." He goes, "I don't I don't plan more than a week away. Call me a week before." So we'll see. You know, he won't skate. He he doesn't skate, but uh, he's a hell of an athlete. Just uh, I don't think he's you didn't really grow up around around ice a whole lot down in Tampa, Tampa Bay is where he's from. But um, you know he was always in Minnesota in the summertime, and 
um, just never something that uh, his dad was a big baseball player, so he grew up kind of playing playing baseball and a lot of wakeboarding. Um, spent spent hours with him out on the boat. But uh, yeah, it's a that's 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 how I know Dan, and uh, he's a great dude. Maybe we get him on. Maybe we get him on uh, pregame skate to talk about uh, something other than hockey, probably, since he doesn't know a whole lot about it. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, Tampa Bay is cool. always doing well, and if he's he's from from that area, maybe we can somehow tie it in. Um, but that's that's too funny, and just had to ask you. And um, yeah, thanks thanks so much for for coming on, and hopefully, um, you know, this just helps spread awareness. Obviously, you guys don't really need it right now, but it's always nice to have context with with the guys who organize this stuff. And um, you know, before we let you go, are there any final questions, comments you have? Do you want to just say where people can find the website, more information, where they can sign up, any kind of relevant information? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, um, I, I I love what you guys are doing here. I was pretty excited to hear when you guys launched Pregame Skate and uh, and and your your uh, theory behind it all. And I think it's, uh, um, you know, the stuff that you guys have been writing um, is, is awesome. It's super uh consumer friendly and it's stuff that you want to hear so i think you guys have been killing it with that it's uh, a really good uh subscription to have so we, we've been spreading the word we'll continue to spread it too and i hope that it uh that it, that it keeps growing for you guys and we get some good people on on the show with you guys um but as far as yeah as far as the tournament goes um it's uh it's a pretty simple website pastpondhockey.com um you, you probably won't get a team this year because we I think we have five spots left till we sell out, which will probably happen over the weekend here. But uh, it doesn't hurt to get on the wait list or uh, um, try to get in for next year or something. But um, that's uh, that's about it, guys. You know, I appreciate you guys having me on and talking about. Uh, you know, I'm probably the only uh, only guy that's been on. It's not a, a pro hockey player, but um, no. But to your point uh, about. The hockey world just being, um, I don't know, so close-knit, and there's so many fun stories to share. Everyone's kind of a, a guy or girl away from knowing someone else, so this is awesome to hear, and I'm glad it brought you back into the world. It's how, how we met. It's how you met my dad, and um, you know, I'm just looking forward to seeing where you guys go from here as well. Um, so thanks so much for the time. Yeah, thank yeah, you, guys. Uh, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, and thanks a lot for your comments on the writing. Um, I'm glad you're enjoying it, and... Uh, I I cannot make it to the tournament this year, but if Brooksy's in, um, I, my retirement plans go as as uh, <laughs> as I have them planned. I am in for 2021 because it just sounds like too much fun and would be awesome to get like a little pregame sk- skate slash BC team going out there. So hopefully well, we can get that going. Too, you can you can find. Yeah, all I, I would be, I would for sure skate out. For Speaking sure. of that, Brooksy, I got a, uh, I got a, I got a spot pulled for pregame already for this year. So uh, let me know it. if you want to, if we're gonna cock the hammer on that one or what. I'm trying to wrangle a bunch of the the BC knuckleheads, so um, I will. I'm definitely on top of that. But um, yeah, no looking forward get, to it. You guys will have some good competition, man. Our, our open division, we get a lot of. Uh, um, I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of guys like you that are out there. My team has. I'm I'm. I'm the one guy on our team that's not phenomenal. You know, they're, they're ex Air Force guys, or um, which to you guys is nothing. Can you know, BC Air Force? You're probably laughing in, in your teeth. No now, but, way, Air, For- Air uh, Force. Guys, <laughs> they're the hardest guys to play. They're in the best shape, and and they are in the good shape. 
And then the other thing is, the, as guys get older, it's like they get better at the game of hockey, specifically as it relates to men's league. Like I skate in New York, and totally. the older guys, you can never get the puck from. So, totally, man. I've, I'm way better now than I was when I was uh, 20. I tell you that. It's kind of weird, but. Um, all right. Well, yeah. We'll 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 wrap it up, Dave. Um, again, thanks so much um, for the time tonight. We'll we'll have this recording out pretty soon here and maybe a little bit of a write-up in the email and um, I'll, I'll touch base with you when, when I'm home here so um, again thanks and, and uh, that's all I have on, on my end yeah sounds good guys Brooksy let me know when you're, uh, when you're here in November we'll, we'll get together perfect sounds good yeah cool. thanks a lot Dave um, uh, yeah nice to meet you Parker good luck with the rest of the season here man and uh, like I said keep that uh, GAA under two yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll <laughs> no promises on that one. Uh, all right, great. right on, dude. All right, day. take care, guys. All right, all righty. See you. Okay. See you. Bye bye. Rocky Mountain